from Ennui. This is Ennui Talk. You can support the show and other Ennui projects by subscribing to Ennui Plus on Patreon. But for now, sit down and enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back. Ennui Talk podcast, everyone's favorite. I'm back with um, good pal Chris Hodge, um, back on the pod for episode 185. Of the Yomi Talk 185. Podcast. Holy yes. shit. Your guess was 149, wasn't it? Yeah, 149. Yeah. Which is completely wrong. Yeah. We've done a lot. Um, the <laughs> at, at the time of recording, um, I've just released episode 100 of Omni Talk Extra. So that's like 280 plus like a bunch of other Omni Writers Rooms where I talk about Omni stuff. So that's like over 300 podcasts that I've recorded since the beginning. Wow. All right, well, so you're going to have me on for the millennium um, for the- <laughs> on We Talk. You know what? 1,000th episode. The 1,000th. So how long will it take to get us to get to 1,000? It'll be another of the main podcast. So what, oh. we're on... So another... You're doing this like four years? How many years? Yeah, about that. So about another eight years? Is that right? Yeah, about another eight. Yeah. So yeah, 12 years time. Well, Unless I like, no, yeah. 12 years since it began. So yeah, eight years from now. So then we'll be yeah. 34 around that. Jesus. God. I reckon That's... we need to do like a mukbang or something for the 1,000th. Oh. Oh, you wonder if mukbangs will even be cool in eight years from now. What will the next trend be, you wonder? Oh, man. I want to I want to start a thing. I was going to run this idea by actually. Mm. I had it like 20 minutes ago when I was making a coffee before we started recording this, I was mm. thinking, shit, we should do some like, uh, like a drinking game mm. as a podcast. And it's like, every time someone starts to talk shit, you take a shot. I like that. I feel like that could get out of control pretty damn quickly. I think 20 minute, half an hour, that's you, you're doing well. If you can get through that. Cause I feel like every time Brad would open his mouth, everyone would just take a shot. Like regardless of what he said. That's a shot. Oh, oh, oh god, yeah, absolutely. It's been a while since Brad's been on the podcast. I think it's been like three, four years. I'm really surprised that he hasn't bit on the idea of coming back on because it's not as lame as it used to be. Admittedly, I'm really surprised <laughs> that he hasn't decided to just come back. And you know, I mean, he's he's a busy boy. He's um he's running his own company now, Pet Barn. Don't um, say he's running his own company. Don't you fucking dare. Don't spit that in my face. Doesn't the man he own it? Doesn't, doesn't he own, own it? He, he owns Pet Barn. He does not. Yes. That's not... He's doing well. He's doing well. No, he is doing well. Um, <laughs> driving around his Tesla to work and back and all that sort of shit. Charging up. Tesla? It... I thought he I thought he blew that up. Didn't he buy like a Lambo Huracan or something like that? Oh, that's right. He's like, nah, Teslas are too... Yeah. Not, not cool anymore. Fucking, fucking Brad. Um, before he showed we... me the... the uh, he bought a Rolex the other day too. Show me that. It's pretty cool. Holy shit. Oh no, he showed me as well, and he got like he got it like custom done as well. So there's like diamonds all in it, and yeah. it actually can't tell the time probably because it just keeps tick tick tick. So it's just it's more it's aesthetic than anything. Exactly, yeah. yeah. That's just a big flex and fuck you to everyone, isn't it? Exactly right. Um, before we started this podcast, we were talking about money, talking about investing. This oh fuck fuck we're boring. Who the fuck fucking twenty five year olds talking about that? But it's like we were talking about you know we're twenty five now and. I don't know. I think that the time we grew up in, like I, in a way I wish I was like 18 again, just finished school 
I could look back, but I feel like that's anybody who's 25 looking back at 18. Do you know what I mean? I think anybody who looks back and look at backs at the decisions and blah, 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 what they could have done better. You can't really, what do you call it? You can't, what's the word when you look back? Um, you look back at what you've done. Ret- yeah, you know what I mean? You can't just, yeah, you can't be, you know, yeah. you, and you, you can't yeah, retroactively I mean- go up back and fix shit either. That's the thing. <laughs> we, we grew up in the golden age of investing really. And, um, like the last 10 years of our lives have been like on a pretty good, like ascent Mm. investment wise. And now it's kind of peaking and it'll start going, it'll probably burst soon. So it's really not a great time to invest. But then again, saying that a lot of people are saying, no, it is a great time. And what's, what's the time old additive time in the market is better than time in the market. Say so it again. Time in the market mm. is better than timing the market. Oh, yeah. okay. I thought you were... So just I get in there. the same thing twice. Yeah, that's right. No, mm. Rather than sitting back and waiting for the right time, just get in there. Because sure, you might lose some to begin with, but in 10 years' time, you will have made a lot more. And if you just sat back and waited for a big dip, you might have missed that wave. And that's the thing, like you, you, you can never be sure and no one can ever be sure. There's no surefire way of knowing exactly what is going to happen. Yeah, when you put your money in stocks or even in crypto, um, I think, you know, if, if you're going to put money in, you have to be content with the fact that you could lose it all because it's more yeah. than likely. Unless like, you know, I think it's not all luck, but there's parts of luck in there. And I think, you know, you might, you know, put heaps of money in and then lose a bit. But then I think over time, you're going to make a profit of some kind. If you play it really smart, you could make a really, really good profit. But that's just the sort of game it is. I guess even if you lose money, I guess you're gaining knowledge. (laughs) I guess it's giving you something back. Like, oh shit, don't do that again. But yeah, it's like with most investing. Don't put more in than you're comfortable with losing. Like if you're the type of person that's going to remortgage your entire house and just throw all that at one particular thing because some guy said, oh yeah, this has got to go through the roof and they've only put $10 on it themselves. I mean, is that really a safe investment? No, no it really isn't. No. Um, on TikTok specifically, I've sort of stumbled across a little bit of like um, crypto talk and a little bit of like entrepreneur talk and Crypto talk. Crypto talk. There's people who are like, oh, you know, you got to invest in this new shit coin that's <laughs> not available on major exchanges. Oh, yeah. in the last, I put $1,000 in and it's already, um, you know, quadrupled in the last few weeks. And then <laughs> but it's, if you can't exchange it, what use is it? <laughs> no, exactly right. Until you can exchange, and that's the thing. And that's the thing. If you can't exchange it properly until it becomes, you know, becomes available on those major exchanges, it's fucking dumb. And like, yeah, I have seen some good things on like sort of um, entrepreneur talk and um, money talk or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, like that, you know, people investing in, um, you know, buying properties, et cetera, et cetera. There's been a few people who I've seen who have actually, I can't remember the term, but what they do is they, they see shitty, shitty houses that are available for sale privately. And then they'll sort of, investigate that and say, oh, blah, blah, blah. Like, how much can we get it down to? And then they'll advertise it themselves to people who want to, you know, do up a house, mark it up a little bit and then sell it. 
and then make a profit that way. So like flipping houses? Flipping houses without actually doing the flipping. All you're doing is just being the middleman and then buying something low and then right. selling it higher, which is not the dumbest yeah. idea in the world. Because I know that a lot of people do foreclosure sales. So mm. like they'll buy a house that, you know, for whatever reason is about to foreclose and you can usually pick them up well under market value. Gorgeous. You put, I don't know, five, 10 grand in, give it a good facelift, dress it up a bit, put it back on the market. You could make 30, 40% on your initial investment. And like you could do that within a month or two easily. Easy. So if you're looking at half a million to a million dollar homes that you're flipping like that, God, that, that adds up to a lot pretty quick if you're good at it. And that's the big thing, if you're good at it. Some people go into this thinking they're good at it and they end up like losing a lot of money because they don't look into the market correctly or I mean they buy the most expensive house in a cheap neighborhood and you're all, you're never going to make money on that. Like it's always just going to be dragged down by the houses around it. You're best off buying the worst house in a good neighborhood giving it a little bit of a facelift and then the houses around it will increase its value. Exactly right. And that's how it works. Um, one thing that's been really, it's nearly everybody's second TikTok that I see about it. It's, oh, you can't just have one stream of income. You can't just have your, you know, quote unquote nine to five. You have to have other ways of making money, which is true. Yeah. That's why people invest, et cetera, et cetera. Um, a lot of it sort of focuses on people who are... I don't know, sort of digital entrepreneurs in a way, in the sense of, okay, one way you can make money as, you know, another stream of income is YouTube. Make videos, put it on YouTube, and you'll make money. And it's like, I think, like, that's very, very, very simplified, Let's I think. See, I think of YouTube as that's not a passive income. That's Fuck an no. active income because you are spending time to make content, to put it on YouTube, and hell, you know... For a fact that that is not an easy thing to do and making money from youtube is definitely not guaranteed at all i mean it's it's kind of the same with investing too but yeah it's it's not passive income passive income is what you need to strive for income that just generates itself puts it into your uh, weekly monthly cash flow whatever it is and you don't have to actively do anything to maintain that income See, I've always been interested, like, I don't think I could, like, you know, I could probably eventually, like, work on, like, you know, sort of passive income streams of some court, one um, of some sort. Um, a few of them, like, are that sort of, like, affiliate marketing. Like, if it's, if it's literally just me, like, you know, oh, here's a camera, this is the camera that I use, and this is the affiliate link, and shit like that. Like, I'm not going to be one of those morons who just affiliate links everything, like, you know, Raid Shadow Legends and all that sort of shit. <laughs> But I think it's just the smart way to do it as a quote unquote influencer, which I'm like, could, I think, cause I think I can, I think people can do that. I think I could do that. I think it's just like, you've got to do it the right way and not be so you know, in your face. You could do it. You got to do it the smart way. Um, yeah. but I'm interested, like for me personally, if I can, everybody probably knows this, I'm interested in building the brand, building the brand, making money that way, going for the, the big bucks. Um, because I think, like, you know, the internet's going to change in the next 10 years. That's why I'm sort of adapting. I've been working on strategies for, like, TikTok and putting stuff out on there that isn't just, like, you know, not me just lip-syncing songs. But it's funny. Um, and it works. Like, that algorithm is very, very interesting. I think, like, TikTok two years from now is going to be very different from the TikTok from today. Just like how it was different from the TikTok two years ago. Like, when it was just musically. Just yeah. kids lip-syncing and dancing and blah, blah, blah. Because th it's such an interesting, interesting platform. It's so interesting to see that Snapchat 
is, you know, people are actually making money off, off Snapchat, um, putting out content. And in that, in that sense, it's literally just them doing, I guess, mini vlog content in a way. Do you know what I mean? Like vlogs aren't big on YouTube, but that doesn't mean that personality based content like that doesn't work in other places. Um, Oh, it's, it's just very interesting how, how the world changes and how people adapt. Um, like so many big YouTubers just haven't been able to adapt properly. Like look at Ray William Johnson. Do you know what Ray William Johnson is doing now? God, I haven't heard his name in a while. Well, after he left YouTube, like he left, he stopped, he got other hosts on Equals 3, that shitty fucking, you know, <laughs> viral video review show. Um, yeah. He tried to do stand up, didn't work out well at all. And now mm. he's doing content on TikTok, but the, he's, he just doesn't, it works. Some of it's quite funny, but it's like everybody just sees him as a nostalgia act and he, he hasn't rejuvenated mm. his image much like, you yeah. know, like a Logan Paul has, do you know what I mean? Like he used to be just that shitty vlogger, suicide, forest, dead body, all that shit. And now he's hosting a successful yeah. podcast and he's done some good videos. Like the, the, um, I enjoyed the, um, the Pokemon card videos that he's done. Like they're very, very, very well edited. Um, obviously that makes the most of it. Do you know what I mean? Like that's what makes the video, the editing. He's a good personality, but it makes him, you know what I mean? Like that, that's what it's all about. It's not just the person on camera. It's how it's the production team yeah. puts it together. I feel like, um, I don't think he's ever going to earn forgiveness through con his content. He's yeah. going to have to do a lot more than just change his formats and you know his content in order to try and earn people's respect again after the, some of the things he's done in the past. He's really going to need to completely remodel his image in order for anyone to take him seriously mm. anymore. I don't think... I, I think the people that are probably watching his stuff, I don't know if you're included in this, but like they're probably sort of trying to ignore some of the stuff he's done in the past and try and yeah. mm. embrace what he's trying to become. But I mean, in my mind, I probably won't watch any of his content unless he can prove that, you know, it's, he's not like that anymore. He's not going to do any of that kind of stupid off the cuff shit. And he's actually going to like focus on being a proper content creator. And I think he is. He is focusing on that. But I think it's... I don't think he's necessarily redeemed himself. Do you know what I mean? Just because you make good, like, you know... Yeah, that's right. One good, good, good video isn't going to make up for hundreds of demeaning, degrading videos that oh, he's created no. throughout his career. Fuck no. It, that's it'd be ridiculous to think that. That's the thing. It'd be ridiculous to think that he can do that. Um mm. Yeah, but it's he's he's done some pretty good content recently. Um, you know he's he's actually appearing at WrestleMania this year, which is doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> the biggest, you know, the biggest show of the fucking year, and he just he got slotted into some sort of pro, like some sort of storyline like two weeks ago. It makes no sense whatsoever, but he's gonna be there. And then I think it's like a week later, a few weeks later, he's doing some boxing fight, which is like that's not my sort of content. It's a, it's a spectacle, sure, but. That's not my sort of... It feels very gimmicky. It doesn't seem that... Yeah. Then again, if I got the chance, like if, you know, to, to fight, I don't know, let's say... Uh, okay, Ethan Klein. Ethan Klein put out a thing and he wants, you know, H3 wants to block someone. I'd put my hand up. Obviously for the clout. A little bit. 
But it's like, you know, if you can make a funny, funny spectacle out of it, even if it's just all the, you know, the, I think the yeah. the event itself is nothing. I think it's the lead up. Because I always had the idea of I wanted to um, get somebody, even if it's somebody I know, or just somebody who's like, I don't know, big buff, might have a bit of a, you know, a MMA background of some sort. And then I challenge them to a, to a fight. And then it's, you know, the whole social media campaign is me training up, getting buff, all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, going into this fight, might get a few good shots, but I get the shit kicked out of me. And I think that's, that'd be funny as shit. Because um, obviously yeah, I can't fight. Jacob. Jacob and his attack on Titan knowledge. Oh, Jacob Vanderberg. Shout out Jacob Vanderberg, who would be listening right now. No, he wouldn't be. He doesn't give a shit about our content. Like, oh, <laughs> piece of shit. Um, I don't know. I think it's 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 very interesting to see that um, content isn't just putting out videos anymore. It's like people's social presence is content now. And sometimes it's overwhelming. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't necessarily... I, I think you need to be able to enjoy somebody's like main content. For example, that's a YouTube videos. If they make films or whatever, you should be able to enjoy that. And then everything else that's on social media and all that's a bonus. It shouldn't be. I've seen so many people where it's like, you have to engage with their social media content and like listen to their podcasts and watch this thing on this other platform just to understand what's going on in their, so their world. You've got to go all in on their narrative, basically, everything that they stand for. Uh, I can't commit that much. Like, I prefer one platform people, maybe two. Like, there are some people I watch on YouTube and then they plug their Instagram or something and I'll go and follow that. But, I mean, you don't have to combine the two narratives to form a whole. You can just stick with one and you're getting enough of the story that it makes sense and it's fine. No, and that's exactly right. So I think I was thinking the other day, because it's like, you know, obviously it's like, oh, you got to join. I want to go on me on different platforms, blah, blah, blah. But it's not just about like to an extent, it's about like, you know, promoting your main content on all your different platforms. Sure. Um, and, you know, putting a clip or two of your content up on each platform. Sure. But making them all unique in a way that like for the majority of, of your fans in general, it's like, oh, if I, I sort of, I don't need to, but if I want to get to this aspect of the brand or this aspect of this person's personality, et cetera, et cetera, I've got to follow them on this platform that I already use. Um, so Instagram, like I, I, there's so many people that I like, I enjoy following on Instagram, not just for photos. Cause it's not, that's not what the platform really is now. It's like, yeah. it's videos, it's, Obviously, like, I don't know, I don't necessarily like reels. Like, I like reels and, like, I'd probably use it, but I feel like that's more people just reposting their TikTok content on reels. Um, I did, yeah. I did actually read an article recently that the, oh, reels is like, is like very, very ins insignificant compared to the TikTok, um, the TikTok fan base. Like, I think it's like 5%, maybe 4%. Of people who are using reels um, compared to people oh, using TikTok, which yeah. is significantly different. But like that's the thing. Out of um, I, you know, TikTok is a very like young platform. I think the people who use Instagram is a much not necessarily, but it's usually like an older demographic. In some ways, 
Do you know what I mean? Like, I think I think there's a there's a a larger variety of people who use Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I'm, I'm guessing the people using Instagram Reels, it's, it's more of a familiarity thing because they've been on Instagram a lot longer than they have TikTok, and it's more they have more value and trust in the Instagram platform than they do TikTok. Yeah, I would say so for sure. And I, I think like you know, Instagram tried out IGTV, which was just putting like longer form content on Instagram. I don't think it works. I don't think nobody wants to sit down and watch a 10 minute video on Instagram. No, I don't just... feel like it's the right platform for that platform. Oh, sorry. Instagram is more of a quick fire platform. Mm. You kind of, it's one of those like TikTok. I guess you can sit and binge short videos, but it, I mean, you wouldn't sit down and watch a half hour long video on TikTok either. That's where no, you'd okay. switch to YouTube. That's where you get your bit longer content. And then say anything longer than 20, 30 minutes, then you're going to a streaming platform like Netflix and you're expect that's what you're expecting there. I mean, you can't be putting super long content on these quick fire platforms. Like I know if people go live on Instagram, I ignore it. Like I don't, that's not the platform I want to be watching longer content on. No, like it, I, I, I prefer it if they recorded, sure they can go live or whatever. I won't watch it there, but if they then uploaded that to YouTube, if it was a 15, 20 minute long interview with someone, sure, I'd watch it there. I wouldn't be watching it through the Instagram platform. No, and I agree. That's not my sort of thing. And I feel like, and this is this actually links to um, Lars from the first podcast, who I've had on the podcast before. Um, great podcast he's got. He has guests on every time and he records them all live in Discord. And when you look at the amount of people who are listening, it's only like 20, 30 people. Um, and their fan base is much bigger than that. But it's sort of, it's, it goes back to the whole thing of first, experiencing things live. I think, you know, watching things live is important to a lot of people, yeah. I think. Like, that's why, um, you know, li- live streaming in general is so big. Um, I think that if I was watching something live, it'd be more likely to be YouTube or Twitch. I think people under the age of 16 are more likely to do it on, you know, sort of maybe YouTube. Very, very unlikely Twitch unless it was gaming related. I think that TikTok and that, um, and, you know, Instagram lives are where these young people are doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I find it very difficult to watch live content just because being a shift worker, Mm. you kind of, you've got very narrow windows of time. You can just sit down and watch something. So it's, I'm the majority of the things I watch are pre-recorded content and I might be watching a day or two late, whatever. That's fine. You still feel like you're kind of connected with the person, but you can't beat that instant feedback of watching something live. Like if you're interacting with someone who's live and you know, you've, you've written your comment and three seconds later, they're reading that comment aloud on their stream that's great. You feel immediately a part of that community. Whereas if you're typing a comment in a comment section on YouTube two days after a video is released and then they release a video a week later and they might mention that comment, you're still feeling connected, but it's nowhere near as immediate. You don't feel quite like you're influencing that person anywhere near as much as if you were doing it live. Oh God, yeah, and I think like there's 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 many many ways to connect with um, your audience in a live fashion. I like the idea of um, putting out videos, putting them as a premiere, and then being in the chat and talking to people during that premiere. Um, 
I think it depends um, what sort of content it is as well. Yeah. Um, I think it's like, it is interesting to see what people, I don't know, like there's many, many brands who, okay, let's use the Patreon example. What turns somebody from just somebody with, with anything, just being a watcher to somebody who wants to pay money to support them? Because I don't think it's always about the content you get. Um, I know, I, I don't, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like not mean people, okay, for example, I don't think necessarily heaps and heaps and heaps of people are going to pay more money to listen to bonus podcasts of like, you know, if we extended this conversation and put it on a Patreon, I don't think that's really what people want. People have said in the polls and shit, oh yeah, just more of the same. I really don't think that's what the majority of people want. It's, it's the same thing with um, the concept of, um, you know, okay, there's a million views on a video, probably only like 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people are going to comment. A small majority. Yeah. The people who are the silent ones, the people who are the silent ones are the ones who are usually doing these things. They're the ones donating the patrons. Like, obviously there's a lot who don't, but do you know what I mean? Like, I think like it's, it's, it's the proof in the, in the, okay, let's go fucking analytically. It's the proof in the data. It's the proof in the data. Um, yeah, and I say, feel like, um, hmm. It's very narrow audience engagement. It's like when the government calls people to do phone polls. Like in today's day and age, is that really relevant? Like the majority of the people in our generation don't even have a home phone and that's normally the way they're reaching out. So, okay, so that cuts out all of my millennials instantly. Um, And then you've got the type of people that just refuse to answer calls from people they don't know. So that cuts that whole section of, you know, the demographic out. And then you've got the older people that are sitting at home. They're watching television, like free-to-air television. They're most likely going to be the people that are going to pick up the phone and actually want to fill out a survey. So you've got this very narrow area, like piece of society that you're running these polls by. And they think, okay, that very narrow piece of society represents the entirety of society. It's like, no, definitely not. If you start basing every decision on that very narrow window of, okay, we called all of these people, we okay, so we, we made a thousand calls, only 80 picked up and actually filled out the survey. So that very slim piece of all of that, you know, all that, that survey, it's definitely not a good representative of the entirety of that 1,000 people. I get you you can't base your decisions on that very slim thing. And I, I, it's probably the same with um, polling your audience. You're only going to have a very slim amount of the actual audience filling out that poll. And you've got to think, what does that slim portion represent? Are they the very dedicated people? Are they the people that might have just had a little bit of spare time and said, oh, whatever, fuck it. You can't really base every decision on that. You have to take it for what it is. This is going to go a bit back to when I sort of started on we. I always had in my head, I can change the game. I know I'm a smart motherfucker. I And I don't know, maybe, maybe that is just my ADHD riddled brain, undiagnosed. I shouldn't say that. I'm not, nothing against people with ADHD. My mind does not work the same as others. I'm not like, you know, somebody superhuman, but it's just wired differently. But I, you know... I always thought that 
oh, for example, Marty's internet show. Oh, I can put out like a 10 minute um, TV formatted show on YouTube and it can be good enough or good. It can be that good that people would gravitate towards it, even though it's not necessarily what traditionally works in the platform. Matt, from five years ago, shut the fuck up. You don't know what you don't know what you're talking about. You need to what works is data. And that sounds dumb, but you know, you've got to look at what, what is working for other people. And I think that's one thing that I never that I that I did to an extent, but I didn't do the way I should. I shouldn't be putting out like realistically, I probably shouldn't be putting out sixty minute podcasts on the the main YouTube channel. I don't know how long we've been recording right now. And I'll probably cap it at like 30, 40 minutes. It's very consumable. I've been told by many, many different people that I should put it on its own um, channel. And I think I should, maybe, but I'd rather keep it on the main channel because I feel like it's within the one brand. Maybe if there's more podcasts coming out, et cetera, et cetera, and more different series, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of YouTubers doing that sort of thing where they have mixed content. I'll use Hat Film as, a, as an example. They've separated all of their in real life stuff and kept that on the main channel and put all of their gaming content on a separate channel. Initially, it's a very big shock to their, like their work structure hmm. and you're probably going to lose subs either way. But eventually, once they become established, I think it's a much better way of structuring content i'm gonna give you um something that i've been thinking of this is what it's something i've been thinking of and there's a few channels that i've seen do it um okay, i'll give the two examples like there's actually there's, well there's three um super mega specifically they just put their main podcast out on their main channel they do gaming mostly gaming videos anyway so it, they're used to sort of that longer form content and this is just this is just three times as long rather than for me, it'd be, you know, 30 times as long as opposed to a video. Um, and with the gaming stuff anyway, you're usually just listening anyway. You're listening to the banter. You're not necessarily watching the content itself. To an extent you are. You're seeing what's happening in the game, but it's a bit different. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Colin and Samir, channel I've watched for, for a long time now, um, they've done a lot of videos about YouTubers and talking about like, oh, why is this YouTuber successful? And, uh, um, why David Dobrik, why people like David Dobrik's, um, old vlogs, um, and how that sort of relates to like, um, to, to a sitcom, for example, it was actually a really good video. Pretty much. It was just like, um, he set these environments and he set these characters when realistically they're just people he knows, but it, the way you frame it and the way you put it together, it was, it was very, very interesting. I thought, um, what they've done recently, because they used to do a show called The Breakdown, which was like a 10, 15 minute video doing that. And that'd take them a week to do, week and a half to do, maybe two weeks. Now, and they had, they've had a podcast a little bit. And what they've been doing now is putting the podcast on their main channel as their main content. But it's still edited. Like it has like things coming up on the screen, blah, blah, blah. I guess in extent, it's a sort of a commentary video slash podcasty thing with things on the screen when it relates to it. And it's also cut down a little bit. So for example, they did a video recently, which was um, interviewing these girls about their show on Clubhouse, which is some new audio streaming platform. Um, the video itself was just like about 30 minutes. Yeah. The podcast itself is about 44 so it's cut down a bit. Um, 
and cold ones, Max Mofo, anything for views, their whole thing is they'll release a 30, I think it's around 30 minutes it ended up being, and it's sort of chopped up into sections with like title cards for each section, and that's their cold ones podcast. But if you want to listen to quote unquote the extended version, which is pretty much just the full version, which might be an hour long, um, that's on their Patreon. What is, and there's no cut and dry answer, it's not black and white, what is the best strategy for Ennui specifically? Is there one? Yeah, so you could take things from that. Like you could do super cut podcasts. So mm. say you refine a half hour long podcast into say maybe a 12, 15 minute super cut version where you pick the most engaging topics from that podcast, trim them down to be really concise, make a lot of sense. Maybe chuck in a few sound effects or little memes in there. I don't know, something like that to make them more poppy and engaging and use that as the main content. And then, yeah, upload the full podcast as an exclusive or a Patreon extra or something like that. So that the more engaged people could go and see that full content. Mm. And then you're getting the more, the heart of the content straight to these people that are just coming in to see your content for the first time. It's you're more likely going to engage someone with the bright, engaging content than something that drags on more and more and more that only the more experienced fans are going to fully appreciate. That's right. I don't think it's a cut. As I said, I don't think it's a cut and dry answer. I've sort of gone the idea of I've thought about I've thought about capping the podcast at thirty minutes, and then literally the rest is the extended podcast. I've gone with the idea. I've thought about the idea of. You know, doing a 40, 45, 50-minute podcast, as you said, doing sort of like a best bits of that podcast, um, edit it up a little bit, without it being something that's too hard to put together, like that's going to be a chore sort of thing. Um, yeah, that is a lot I, of work, I guess. It is a lot of work as well. And that's like yeah. the thing I'm trying to focus on is putting out videos. And the other thing is I'm trying to figure out the strategy to put out videos that are good either weekly or bi-weekly, I'm not going to set myself to a too tight of a schedule while also being able to work a full-time job on the side for now. And that's hard. That's the other thing. It's like figuring, yeah. figuring all the shit out. And also like not, I think that um, so many people put themselves in their work too much. And this isn't just like, you know, YouTubers or people in media or I've, I see it at people at work. Their entire lives are their job. And they don't have a personality outside of their job. And they might be good at their job. I might necessarily like the way some people do things. But when I think about it, it's that this is their life. They care about it so much. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but sometimes it comes up as very sad. Kind of a sad that like this is their this is this person's life. Working yeah. being being a wagey essentially it's totally defining their character Absolutely. yeah did you ever find that hard did you ever find it hard to not fucking not be yourself but to distance yourself from your work i've always very much had a strong distinction between my work personality and my outside of work personality when i'm at work i barely talk i'm just there to do the job i'll do it as best i can I'm not there to make friends. I'm just there to do the job. Whereas chime outside in this, of work, chime in with a sexist joke or something like that. You're in there. Exactly. I'm a, t- I'm a totally different, per- <laughs> totally no, different know. person. And I, I'm 
much more likely to engage with someone on a personal level outside of work. Yeah. It's only, I mean, I've been in my current job nearly four years now. It's only sort of after that four years that I'm really starting to engage with people at work and try and, you know, express myself a little bit more because I feel a bit more comfortable around them. I've sort of seen their personalities poke through their work personality and I could sort of pick and choose who I want to become friends with. Whereas, you know, if you, you're straight into a new job, I don't feel like I'd ever be trying to make friends straight away. You kind of don't want to do that because then you could pigeonhole yourself with a specific, about specific group of people that might not necessarily work with your out of work, um, you know, with what you do out of work. Like you could, oh yeah, you'd be great, have great chemistry at work because you sort of might work alongside someone, but outside of work they might be a total lunatic, and it's like, oh shit. Do you really want to be friends with that person? No. Mm. No, I know exactly what you mean. It is hard. I think I've, I've sort of distanced myself from a lot of people from work. Not even necessarily bad people. It's just like, I don't necessarily want to not associate with these people. I like keep I like keeping my life from work. Because I, th- I think it, it gets messy sometimes. Like how they say you shouldn't date somebody who you work with. Yeah, I think it can get very, very messy. And people don't understand. That feeds into bringing your work life home. It's getting a lot harder these days to separate yourself from work because I know a lot of people, it's kind of 24-7 for them because, you know, you've got your phone, you get email. Work never really stops when you go home. These days, people are constantly looking at work emails, taking phone calls outside of work hours that are work-related. There's actually a big push at the moment to say, okay, once you're off the clock, you're totally off the clock. You don't have to answer calls. You don't have to reply to emails. You can completely switch off because it's creating this sense of chronic um, like burnout. I guess that's one way of describing it. Was it was it you that said that thing the other day about burnout? Yeah, I think it was. Because that, that is a very genuine issue these days. It's like for some people, work never stops. I know with like the police force, there was something I was listening to on ABC radio the other day. Um, they had this segment where they were interviewing a constable from one of the Sydney police things or whatever it is. And she said, basically, she feels like she hasn't stopped working for like three or four years because she's been constantly on call, even though she's only paid for eight or nine hours a day, she's constantly on call. Like that is just insane. Like she said, the stress involved with her job, even when it's her day off, she'll get a call at like eight or nine in the morning saying, oh, you know, we've just had a triple murder or something like that. That then weighs on her for that entire day. When she's meant to be having a day off, doing her own thing, she has that on her mind. Like, that is, that sucks. Absolutely. This, and actually, this is, it's a, bit, it's a slight bit of a segue. Um, Tim Ferriss has the book called The 4-Hour Workweek. And he used to work, he, was the, he, ran, the, he ran a business. It was, a, it was called Brain Quicken. It was a supplement company. Um, and the concept of the four-hour work week is not necessarily working four hours and then, you know, making money, blah, blah, blah. But what it was, was when he started his business, he was working like 12-hour days. He was working so, so many hours and he got so stressed and he was stressed, he was stressed. And what he did was he went on a, I think he went like on a month sabbatical, which he called sort of a holiday, but he let the people run the company. And that month was the record um, revenue 
it broke it broke records in how much money they made that month. And it sort of made him it sort of made him think. And what he what he ended up doing was he put systems in place um, to make a lot of it run by itself, make a lot of the other people you know get paid to do a lot of the things. And decision wise, it was based on money. I believe what he said was, and please do not quote me on this if you've read the book, but it was something like, if something costs more than um, $500 to fix, I think he ended up make, maybe making it more like if it was, because, you know, it was, it was a multi-million dollar company, ended up being a multi-million dollar company. Um, yeah. But if something takes more than $1,000 to fix, you ask me. If it takes less, just go and do it. Even if it's the wrong decision, I tr- like he trusted his the people he had hired to make those decisions, um, and I found that very very interesting. I that 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 freed him yeah, up to okay. obviously that freed him up to like you know go do what he wants to do, live his life, blah blah blah. But in a lot of other ways, for example, if that was me and I was running a business, multi million dollar business, that opened me up to do other projects and do other things without having to worry about getting a message from every insignificant minute decision yeah that's right exactly um obviously you can ask questions i think that's different but if it's if it's if it's a decision i think it makes up yeah thing making decisions for companies you kind of have to dip every single finger into that process like you have to ask all of the questions of your workforce okay why is this issue arise why why do why do this why that it takes a lot more of your time to to give an answer to an issue than it is to just you know let them sort it out because they know everything already. Mm. So it it's way more time efficient, money efficient to just let your workforce work. I mean that's what you pay them for. Let them do their job. Exactly right. Just you know just come back to it every two weeks, every week, whatever you want, however you however your company runs, however your business runs. It doesn't have to be a business. You know, however anything runs, as long as you know, I think that compounds stress on people, you know, having too much, like I've seen some of the managers, like the higher up managers, and it's just like, you know, people, people, people are talking, I can't think, do you know what I mean? It's like when crew at the crew at work, it's different when they're kids, um, but when it's crew at work and you have to, obviously you have to follow up on them, but when they're asking a million questions about stuff that they should know, and it's about stuff that, you know, just you can figure it out. Like, you know, use yeah. your, your thinking skills. That's when it gets annoying. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, sure, they're only kids, blah, blah, blah. Maybe they just need reassurance and double check. But if I give, in, if I give an instruction, you should usually know. Um, yeah. If you, just, yep. you know, little questions are little questions, but it's like, if you're asking dumb shit, <laughs> fuck, the amount of people I've, I've, I've had ask dumb bullshit questions about I stuff that they already um, know. Yeah, it's them trying to take the blame off themselves so that if you make the decision for them, they feel like, okay, it's been decisions made for me. I just do my job. I, I completely remove myself from any negative com- uh, consequence that may come from this. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do that these days all the time. It's just this, it's more of a subject to this bubble wrap society that we've created where every little thing has to be explained to you even if you've done it a thousand times they feel like okay you've got to go through it with me just in case something in the off chance something bad happens then i'm not held accountable it goes to someone else it's just just palming the blame to someone else i think people aren't willing to make decisions for themselves these days because they're just afraid of the consequence just try 
Just do. I think that's I, the biggest thing. Yeah, I'm all for do. people making their own decisions. Like, like, um, say you're in a workshop environment, right? Your own safety is of like, you know, your own safety officer. Like, say, oh, am I going to walk under this suspended load? No, of course you're not. That that would be stupid. Like, that could fall on your head, whatnot. But mm-hmm. if you, you know. You don't have to go to your supervisor and ask them, can I walk under the suspended load? I mean, use some common fucking sense. Like, just no, don't. <laughs> like, you get what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah, I do. Absolutely. Oh, it's just, it's just mind-blowing how people just don't want to use their own brain anymore. I think that that's the, as we do sum up, that's the biggest thing I've learned. Common sense ain't that fucking common. People don't use their heads. People oh, don't God, like no. No, not that, at all. That's a, you know what? You know how people say that millennials are lazy? I think that, you know, a lot of them do work hard, but it's all a facade. They're fucking lazy in the head. They don't like to fucking think. Do you know what I mean? They'd rather use their brain power to scroll to TikTok at two o'clock in the morning. That's an exaggeration, <laughs> but it's slightly true. Yeah, I see what you mean. We're a subject of a formula that didn't quite work. Exactly right. What a- I like that. I like that. Uh, um, how long have we been recording for? I'm going to sum it up, but it's hard to... Like 40, it's 45 minutes or something? That's a good episode. I think it's it's hard to, to to tell the time without me timing it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, good conversation is yeah. a good conversation. I remember yeah. back in the day, we used to just cut conversations off at 30 minutes because we had to. Maybe we'd like press the record button again, but it's like, oh, well, that's now to cut it back together. <laughs> but it's good being able to just have a good chat and put it out for yeah. content and I make money off it. Lack lack of money, not really much money. Please support the Patreon. Onwe.plus. I bought on onwe.plus. So now you can access the Patreon from that link. That's cool. Oh wow, okay. Nice. Wow. Fancy. Fancy fancy here Ooh. at Onwe. Thanks for joining us, Chris, on this great little episode. I appreciate that. No worries. Thanks for having me. Anytime, piece of shit. Onwe Talk is hosted by Matthew Winner, produced by Onwe. You can listen to the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or watch it in its entirety at youtube.com slash TV one You can show your support by becoming an Ennui Plus member, where you get exclusive series and podcasts, early access, and member-only perks. Join us at ennui.tv forward slash plus. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.